Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Let's open our Bibles. Say hallelujah. And let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 3, and then we're going to go to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. But Romans 4, 3 reads, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. Abraham did what? Believed. Abraham did what? Believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It what? His faith, his believing God was accounted to him for what? Righteousness. Now let's go to Romans 5, verse 1 and verse 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, to be justified means having been declared right or in right standing with God by faith, we have peace. We currently possess as our portion peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this, say this grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have access into this grace. Say that we have access into this grace in which we stand. So according to that verse, grace is not something that visits me now and then. It's not something that shows up in my life maybe a few times in the year if I'm quote-unquote lucky. It's not something that will visit me once a month or once a week. This verse tells us that to the contrary, we are standing in grace. That means grace has become my, pers- my, my permanent position. I have been located and positioned by God on grace ground. This is where I stand. Unmerited favor, undeserved blessings, unmerited, undeserved supernatural ability to be and do what I have been called to be and do. All of this is part of grace. And this verse says that you and I have been ushered into grace such that grace is the ground upon which we stand, meaning that grace is a permanent thing in the life of the believer. Unmerited favor, undeserved blessings are a permanent feature of the believer's life. Say, I'm standing on grace ground. Uh, Some of you have heard of, uh, what's his name, Uh, Presley. Elvis Presley has what they call Graceland. Well, you and I have been ushered into the land of grace. This is our location. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, grace doesn't visit you. 
unmerited favor doesn't show up once in a while. If you're in Christ, it is the ground upon which God has planted your feet. So, 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 you, you have been grounded in grace and planted in grace. If you are in Christ, you can't get away from unmerited, undeserved favor. It's constantly available to you. And if you become conscious of that grace upon which you stand, your whole outlook to life will change. Because you will always be conscious of the fact that you have access to 24-7, God is making available to you unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor and blessings. That is your permanent and continual portion. Grace, unmerited, undeserved favor and blessings is your inheritance in Christ Jesus. Say, I am planted. My feet are planted on grace ground. I live in grace land. Therefore, I'm continually and permanently surrounded with favor as a shield. Father, help us. I got up this morning and I had no problem stepping out of bed. In fact, I didn't even look down. I just stepped out of bed because I was absolutely sure the ground was still there. I got in my car and we drove to church this morning confident that the ground would be there all the way from my house to this never wonder a question that fact hear me when God says you're planted or you're standing grounded in the grace of God you need to understand that what he is saying is grace is a constant that you can absolutely depend upon at all times you will never find yourself in a situation where grace is not available to you 24-7. No matter what you do, grace will always be there. And it will be there as your portion, as your inheritance for you to partake of. Holy Ghost, open our eyes that we might see what we have. Say, I have permanently available to me continually the unmerited and undeserved favors of God. Amen. If you are in Christ, you are planted on grace. And therefore, every day I should be walking and moving and functioning and relying upon the grace of God for the outcomes in my life and not upon myself. Paul said, I planted 
and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Yes, there's a planting you must do. Yes, there's a watering you must do, but the outcomes are based upon the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. So I have a right to always expect more than I deserve. I said, I, you, we have a right to always expect from God more than we deserve. Raise your hand and say, thank you, God, for grace. Your need and my need is to become conscious of that grace, to never forget that that grace is present so that we act upon it and draw from it and drink of it and benefit from it and rely upon it in every situation so that it can manifest itself fully in our lives. Now, we are standing on grace, but that scripture says, that we have access into that grace by faith. So how did we enter into this place of permanent and continual grace where we are continually exposed to and can continually partake of unmerited and undeserved favor? How did we get planted on grace ground? It is by faith. So faith is what gave us access to the grace that we are standing on today. The grace that I'm depending upon for my life. The grace that I'm depending upon for everything I need for life and godliness. I had access to that grace through faith. So faith is what gives me access to this land of grace. I guess sometimes you go to a place and you have to have a ticket you got to present. You present the ticket and you enter in. Amen? So think of Graceland or Grace Country or, or maybe we can use the idea of visa. You got to have a visa to enter into the U.S. So you show up at the, at the port of entry and when you present your visa, you're allowed in. So think of Graceland as that place of uncommon, unmerited, undeserved favor and blessings where everything is free to all that live there. Amen? And how did you enter that place? You did so when you presented your visa, and your visa is faith. Amen? So when you and I present faith to God, we enter in to grace. So, the one thing that grace needs in order to work in my life, in your life, and to produce its blessings is faith. Hmm? The one thing unmerited favor, undeserved blessings requires is that I respond to grace with faith. When I respond to God's grace with faith, I enter into the fullness of his grace and I start to experience unmerited and undeserved favor in every area of my life. Are you listening to me? So, this grace that we're talking about 
is the ground upon which I should build everything in my life. Listen, you ought to build your family on the ground of grace. You ought to build your marriage on grace ground. You ought to build your business, your finances, everything you do ought to be built on the grace of God. God has put grace under you so that it can be the foundation upon which you build everything. Build everything in your life that is valuable to you on the grounds of unmerited and undeserved favor that comes from God for you. Don't build on your intellect. Don't build on your own strength. Don't build on somebody else. Again, do what is necessary and that which you can do, but let your trust and your, your confidence be in the grace of God for the outcomes. And you will discover when you do that, that God will do exceedingly and abundantly above what you can even think. You may put in 20% effort and end up getting 100% results. The results are far more than your efforts should have produced. Say that's grace. All right? So this is this place that we have entered in, but what's required is faith. So let's ask ourselves, what is faith? Now, there are many ways we can define faith, but first of all, faith is simply the decision you make to respond positively to what God has said or to respond positively to God's grace. If I want the grace of God to work in my life, I've got to respond positively to what grace offers me. If I do not respond positively, the grace of God is not withdrawn, but I'm not able to receive it. All right? So faith, a simple definition, is my decision to respond positively to what grace offers me in every situation. Respond positively to grace in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in every area. Respond positively to what grace offers you in that area. Okay? But another definition for grace is action A, B, C. Acting on what you believe, sustained by what you confess or what you say. So another way by which we can understand faith that receives grace and that ushers us into Graceland is that I am going to act upon what I have heard because I believe what I heard and I am believing it to the point that I'm willing to declare it or to confess it out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. So say action, something I do, based upon what I believe, and sustained by what I confess or what I say. Scripture says, this is the spirit of faith. We believe and therefore we speak. So faith is released in the grace of God by believing and then by speaking that which we believe. Very, very important. But here is the definition that I want us to focus on today. I want us to focus on understanding faith as becoming fully persuaded of the truthfulness and the accuracy of God's word to the point 
that we act upon it and declare it out of our mouths. Say faith is becoming fully persuaded of the truthfulness and the accuracy of God's word to the point that I act upon it and I speak it in spite of contradicting circumstances. One more time, faith is being fully persuaded. It is a persuasion. Amen. I am operating in faith when I'm persuaded that God's word is true and accurate. Enough that I'm willing to act upon it. I'm willing to declare it even though there are contradicting circumstances that I am facing. And, and with that understanding, we then can say that we got into this grace because we were persuaded of the truth and accuracy of God's word to the point that we were willing to act upon it. And we'll get to exactly what I'm talking about lately. But if you're in this grace land we're talking about, if you're standing on grace, it's because you were persuaded of the accuracy and the truthfulness of God's word to the point that you acted upon it. That's how you entered in. Okay? Now, let's see from scripture an example of what we're talking about. How many of you ever heard of Abraham? Abraham is called the father of faith. And so Abraham is lifted up in scripture as an example of what faith looks like and what God will do when we respond to him in faith. So I want us to look at Romans chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 18 to verse 25. I'm going to comment from verse 18. Go to verse 18, Romans 4, 18. We're going to start there. But I want you to understand this, the background of what we're about to read. All of us should be familiar with Abraham, right? And the Bible tells us that Abraham uh, and Sarah, unfortunately, though married and though they wanted their own children, could not have children. Sarah was barren, and she was barren from the time she was young. Abraham was able to have children, but he could not have any child by Sarah because of Sarah's condition. They wanted children, but didn't have any children. And over the course of time, Abraham and Sarah became older. So the problem really became worse because Sarah was barren as a young woman. By the time she got, got to be 90 years old, even if she had been fruitful, when she was young, at 90, she cannot bear kids. So she's, 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 she's barren twice. You follow me? She's barren twice. So the situation has gotten worse. Abraham, when he was a younger man, could have children. But at 90, I know, I mean, at 100, uh, I guess it's still possible. But the likelihood reduces very significantly when you're at that age, right? <laughs> so the problem had gotten worse. In fact, it had gotten to the point where the Bible describes it as hopeless. In other words, there was just no natural solution to this thing. Completely impossible. And while in that situation where it was impossible from a natural standpoint for him and his wife to have 
children together, God spoke to him. And God said, Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. You are going to have a child, and you're going to have a child by your wife. Sarah is going to have a child. This woman who's now barren twice, she's going to have a child, and you are going to be the father of many nations. I, in fact, making you the heir of the world, and in you all nations will be blessed. Now, God spoke that word to Abraham. Abraham now had to make a decision. Would he believe that word? Or would he believe the testimony of his senses? Because it is true. It is, it is true. He was barren. Sarah was barren. Yet God is saying, you're going to have children. You're going to be the father of many nations. I'm making you the heir of the world. Now, what I want you to see here is that that blessing was totally by grace. The blessing that God is pronouncing upon him, that he would be the father of many nations and have children, had nothing to do with Abraham's performance. Abraham did nothing to earn this blessing. God just decided, out of the goodness of his heart, out of the overflow of his love, as a manifestation of his grace, Abraham, I want to bless you. I have chosen you to be the father of many nations. I have chosen your wife to be that mother. I, I, I have chosen to bless you. No works at all. Pure, unadulterated grace. And hear me, that's how God blesses people. Say totally unmerited, totally undeserved. God just chooses to bless people. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what God has done for you and me. Amen. Apart from your works. In fact, the Bible says, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. God commended his love for you in that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. The scripture says we have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So apart from anything you have ever done, God has just showed up in your life in Christ Jesus and said, my intention is to bless you. My intention is to bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. My intention is for you to have everything you need for life and godliness. My intention is to put my Holy Spirit on the inside of you, fill you with myself, bless you, and make you a blessing. That's my intention for you. That's the plan I have for you. The plan I have for you is for good. And God did not look at your resume to see whether you had done this or done that or done that it, because but maybe he did maybe he did look at your resume he looked at your resume and saw you were not qualified <laughs> amen yeah because the scripture says all have sinned and fall short so no no I'm wrong he did look at your resume he looked at your resume and saw all your faults saw all your shortcomings, saw, saw all your sins, saw all the reasons why you should go to hell, all the reasons why he should not bless you, all the reasons why he should be angry with you, all the reasons why he should pour out wrath upon you, all the reasons he should never answer one of your prayers. He looked at your resume, saw you were totally disqualified and said, I choose you. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Amen. I choose you because God blesses the ungodly. Which means every blessing you have hmm, is by grace. Unmerited, unearned, undeserved. Now, I know some of you think you deserve it. So, so if you think you deserve it, you can go ahead and build an altar to yourself. Go ahead and write some songs that celebrate your greatness. How wonderful you are. How good you are. Dance around your altar and praise your holy name. But as for me, and for many of the folks that I'm looking at, they know that every good thing that has ever showed up in their lives came from God, unmerited, undeserved, nothing but pure grace. God just decided out of the abundance of his love for you to show you favor and to bless you in spite of and not because of. In the same way Abraham was doing what he was doing, God just showed up and said, Abraham, I just want to bless you. Will you let me bless you? I want to make you the father of many nations. Will you let me do it? I want to give you a name. Amen. I, I, I want you, I want, I want you to give, I want to give you more children than, 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 than the stars and the, and the sand. I just want to do this. Will you let me? Okay, that's the background. Now let's read. Together, this is God. Now God has, shown, God has shown up and God has said to Abraham, I want to make you the father of many nations. I want your wife to have a child. I want you to have children like the sand and the, and the stars. I want to do that. May I? Do I have your permission just to bless you without you deserving it? Because if you have to deserve it, then I can't bless you. Hmm? All right, let's read now. Remember now, Abraham and Sarah are uh, 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 not just bearing, they're bearing two or three times now. You, you, you know, Sarah is twice bearing, now Abraham has added 100 years to it, so they're bearing three times. It's impossible. Okay? So let's read that, verse 18. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believe, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So, so how did Abraham actually become the father of many nations? It was because he believed what was spoken to him. Not because he did anything. He just believed in him who was speaking and believed that he had the power to do what he was saying. In spite of his own weaknesses, he simply said, God, I believe it. And when he believed, he became, he entered into, he experienced the manifestation of the fulfillment of what grace was giving him. All that grace needs from you and me is the willingness to believe, to be persuaded that what God has said is true in spite of 
everything else I see. Are you ready? So, next verse. And not being weak, everybody read it together, and not being weak in faith, he, Abraham, did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. The scripture says he did not consider that. Now, it doesn't mean he closed his eyes and said, I'm not dead, I'm not dead, I'm, I'm 23 years old, my wife is 20 years old, I, I can't believe that she's this old. I can't. No, no, that, that's not what it means. He was willing to admit he knew what he was saying. He wasn't going to deny what his senses were saying. It is true. His body at 100 years old was now dead. His wife's womb could not produce. That was true. But when the Bible says he considered not, it means he did not focus on that. He didn't deny it. He said, yeah, this is true. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, this is true. But this is not the truth. The truth is what God says. And if you know the truth and you choose to focus on the truth rather than on what's true, the truth will change what is true and cause what is true to line up with the truth. Are you listening to me? So responding to grace means I look at what's true. I don't deny that my body is dead. I don't deny that my wife's body is, is, is womb cannot produce. I do not deny what I know about me, the weaknesses and the shortcomings and all of the failures that are present in my life. I see it. Those are true. But I don't focus on what's true. I say this is true, but I choose to focus on the truth. And so Abraham chose to focus on the truth, and the truth was, in spite of what is true about me, in spite of what is true about my wife, the truth is I am the father of many nations. The truth is my wife will conceive. The truth is we are heirs of the world. That's the truth because God has spoken. That's the only thing grace requires. Grace requires my willingness to focus on the truth of God's word and accept God's word over and above the testimony of my senses and my feelings and my emotions and my circumstances. If my feelings and emotions and circumstances are saying the same thing that God is saying, I really don't need faith at that point. But it's when my senses and my circumstances and my feelings and my emotions and the physical evidence says one thing, that I now have to say, I don't deny all of this, but the truth is what God has said, and I choose to focus my faith on the truth. In fact, let me say this. We all have faith. God has given to all of us a measure of faith. So the issue is not whether you have faith or not. Now, faith can grow, but we all have the measure of faith. The question is, where will you put your faith? You can take the faith you have and focus it upon what you see, 
and that becomes the object of your faith, or you can take the faith you have and say, I'm going to focus it on what God has said, and God and his word becomes the object of my faith. What grace needs is for you to take the faith you have and focus it upon God's word. Ah, let me give you another definition that I share with the other. Faith. Say faith. For, forsaking all, I trust him. Say F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. In other words, forsaking all of the other contradicting evidence, I trust him. Forsaking all other Dependencies, I, I trust him. In other words, I'm not going to trust in anything other than him and his word. Amen? I can plant, but I'm not going to trust in my planting. You can water, I'm not going to trust in your watering. I'm going to trust in him for the increase. I hear me? All right. So the one thing that grace needs, I'm standing on grace ground. I'm surrounded by grace. Grace is my permanent location in Christ Jesus. God has put grace under me to sustain me, uphold me. It's always present. Always. It is as sure as the ground under my feet. If you're in Christ, you're on grace ground. Unmerited, undeserved favor is your inheritance and your portion 24-7. That's the reality. The only thing grace needs in order to do his work is for you to forsake all and trust grace alone. Trust in his unmerited and undeserved favor in Christ Jesus. It is extremely silent. No, in this Baptist church. I trust you're listening and you're absorbing it, right? And you're going to be able to apply it. In other words, always be conscious of grace, unmerited, undeserved favor, constantly. That's God's plan. And that's the way by which God is going to deliver blessings into your life. Be conscious of grace and choose to put your faith in the truth that grace reveals over and above the testimony of circumstances. All right? So Abraham did not focus on the testimony of his senses. But what did he do? Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. If he had focused on his wife's situation and his age, he would have wavered into unbelief. So he chose not to. He acknowledged it. He's not denying it. But I'm not going to focus on that. I, I see it, but this is what I'm focusing on. Here's a doctor's report. I see it, but this is what I'm focusing on. Here's the fact that I don't have a job right now. I may have to do two, three jobs for a while, but this is what God has said concerning my finances. This is what is happening in my marriage right now, or this is happening with my children right now. I'm not denying that they're acting the fool. They're doing all kinds of stuff. That's true, but this is what God said. And I'm going to focus on this. Amen. One of the most important words, the most effective words you can use to walk by faith is to learn how to use that word, but. You know, there are times when you got to look at what is manifested, but always put a but there. Don't ever put a period after what you see. 
when, 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 when what you see is contrary to what God has said, never put a period at the most a comma. Don't put a semicolon and colon. Put a common and, and then capitalize but. B, everybody say that. B-U-T. This is what God has said and focus on it. All right? So instead of focusing on his situation, he did what? He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, which means instead of focusing upon the deadness of Sarah's womb and his, his age, Abraham was giving glory to God. And by giving glory to God, his faith was being strengthened and reinforced. So, so every day, Abraham was reminding himself of what God has said and giving God praise and thanking God that his word was true. So one of the things practically you and I can do to keep our faith strong and to keep our faith active while we're waiting for the manifestation of what grace has promised is to keep giving glory to God. Keep reminding ourselves of what God has said and keep praising him and keep thanking him. That's why Paul meant when he said, in everything, give thanks. Because as we're giving thanks and we're remembering the word of God, our faith is being energized and being strengthened. Are you listening to me? Amen. So, so that's important. Now, one of the things God did to help Abraham, and which is something very practical that we all should do, is that when God made the promise to Abraham, his name was Abram. Abram. And it simply means exalted father. You know, it's a, it was a term of honor. But at some point in the faith journey, and it was closer to the manifestation, God said, Abraham, it's time for you to change your name. I don't want you to just keep saying, um, Abram, Abram, Abram. The promise I've made to you is that I will make you a father of many nations, and you are already a father of many nations. Now I want you to start seeing yourself as a father of many nations, and I want you to start calling yourself the father of many nations. So God says, Abram, change your name to Abraham. Abraham means the father of many nations. So from that day, to keep his faith strengthened and energized, God said, Abraham, or Abram, start calling yourself the father of many nations. Start calling things that are not yet manifested as though they were. So Abram started to call himself the father of many nations. And he started to go to some people and say, you know what, my name has changed. It's no longer Abram. Now from now on, I want you to join me and start to celebrate with me that I am the father of many nations. So he began to confess every day, I'm the father of many nations. Now he was still 100 years old. Sarah was still getting older. They were still barren three times. None of that in the natural had changed, but God said, change what you're saying. Amen, because the only thing grace needs to do its work is faith, so you need to stay in faith. And I believe one of the reasons God said do that, because, you know, let's be honest, after you've waited a long time, it, at some point, it's, it, you know what, you just want to give up. All right? So after all of these years, Abraham and Sarah were on the verge of a miracle. It was about to happen, but it, 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 it may be that he was about to quit. 
And God said, before you quit, this is what I want you to do to re-energize your faith. You go ahead now and start calling yourself the father of many nations. Because every time you call yourself that, you're reminding yourself of what I promise you. And you are, you are, you are, you are strengthening your faith. So from a practical standpoint, when you are believing God for a manifestation of a blessing, it's a good thing to begin to call those things that are not yet manifested as though they are. Amen. It's a good thing to recall the promises of God, put those promises in your mouth, and make them present tense. Amen. Because they are true. They're just not yet manifested. Abraham was a father of many nations because God had declared it. Whether or not he ever had a child, he still was because God declared it. You didn't, you, you didn't hear me. Let God be true and every man a liar. God's word doesn't become true because it comes to pass. It is true because God speaks it. No, that, that was too good to just go. God's word is not true because it comes to pass. It comes to pass because it's true. But it's really true because he speaks it. So whether I see the manifestation or not is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. If God says this is wood, it's wood. I don't care. Look, you can say I'm a fanatic. You can say I don't have a brain. That's all right. If God says this is wood, then I don't care what the scientist says. They can do all the tests as long as I am convinced. No, God said this is wood. Ladies and gentlemen, it's wood. God is right. You're wrong. And sooner or later, it will be proven to you that this is wood. And that you are wrong. Because God doesn't lie. So if there is a disagreement between you and what God says, you're wrong. God's right. Just give yourself some time and you will see God's right. So all these folks who deny that there's a God, one day they'll see. That Jesus didn't rise, one day they'll see. That Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life. Give God some time. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you who are denying God and denying the Son and you think you are so intelligent, just wait. My only prayer for you is that you will come into this revelation before it's too late. Amen. Because now is the day of salvation. I pray that you will come into this revelation before it's too late. So, practically applying to us, that should be our position. God's word is not true because it comes to pass. God's word is true and therefore it comes to pass. But whether I see it come to pass or not, it is the truth. So that's the decision I make. All my senses contradicted. God, let every man be a liar. I declare what you say. If this is what you say concerning me, then if everything else says the contrary, what you said is true concerning me. And that is what Abraham did. He became fully persuaded that he and Sarah were the um, parents of many and that they will conceive, even though everything, ladies and gentlemen, spoke contrary. And God said, I want you to start declaring it to be so even though you don't see it. On a daily basis, whatever God has spoken, learn to be, make that part of your daily confession. Keep declaring it. Keep saying it. Because that keeps your faith strengthened. And combine that with praise and thanksgiving and worship. 
Amen? And you do that not really to move God. You do that to keep your faith active. First, next verse. First, trust one, one, he did not waver. He did what? Instead, he became fully convinced, or KJV says, he became persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So, Abraham believed God, right? Abraham did nothing but believe God. He did nothing but become fully persuaded that what God said to him was true. But because he was persuaded enough to act upon that, let's see what happens. Verse 22. And therefore, everybody say, and therefore it, it what? His faith was accounted to him for righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, just because Abraham allowed himself to be persuaded by the word of God, which God spoke to him, to believe that he and his wife were the parents of many children and he would be the father of many nations, contrary to everything he saw, because he chose to believe that and become persuaded, God declared him righteous. Apart from any performance, he was declared righteous. He was put in a position of right standing solely on the basis of his willingness to believe God over and above his, 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 his senses. On that basis alone, God put him in a position of right standing with him. And hear me, once God decides to put a man or woman in a place of right standing with him, by that very declaration, God has put that person on grace ground. By that very declaration, God has made that person permanently and continually a beneficiary of unmerited, undeserved favor. When God makes you righteous, by definition, God is blessing you with everything he has. When God makes you righteous, by definition, God is making you an heir of God and a joint heir with his son. God cannot declare you righteous and not bless you at the same time. They are the same thing. No, no, no. Let me, let, let me, let me give you another illustration. If I give you a 25 uh, cent coin, a quarter, I gave you the head because it comes with the head. Does the tail come also? Can I give you the head and not give you the tail? No. If I gave you the head and there was no tail, then I didn't give you a coin. What you have is not a coin if it only has a head but no tail. If it's a 25 cents coin, it has a head and a tail. If the righteousness that God has given to you is the righteousness of God, it is of necessity, unequivocally, it cannot be separated. It comes with all of God's blessings attached. You cannot detach the blessings of God, the favor of God, the grace of God, uncommon, unmerited, undeserved favor and blessings. You cannot detach it from righteousness. The gift of righteousness comes with every spiritual blessing in it. So once God declared Abraham righteous, God was declaring Abraham blessed and releasing unto Abraham every blessing that God has spoken. And Abraham permanently now resided on grace ground. From that day, grace was the ground upon which he walked 
And everywhere he went, the grace of God showed up in his life. Abraham began to enjoy unmerited and undeserved favor. The minute God told him, you're righteous. Now, <laughs> how many of you know that Abraham did some stuff that should have disqualified him? Hmm? If grace and blessings and favor, if righteousness was based on performance, Abraham should not have been righteous. Abraham slept with Hagar. I know the Bible calls that adultery. He was married. He had a wife. And he had a child by a woman he was not married to. That's, that's adultery. That's sin. God doesn't approve of it. We should not do it. It is wrong. But God still blessed him with Isaac. God did not withhold righteousness because of that. Because when God declared Abraham righteous, it was not based upon his performance. It was based upon his faith. And since it was not by his performance that he was declared righteous, it was by grace. His poor performance did not disqualify him for grace because grace is for people whose performance is poor. Now, that doesn't mean sin is okay. There are consequences Abraham suffered. Consequences with his wife. All kinds of trouble. Are you hearing me? Entered his life. Entered his relationship with his wife. Affected his children. And today continues to be a problem. Because sin has consequences. Sin is evil. Sin is harmful. Sin does damage to you. Sin does damage to relationships. Sin can kill you. Make you go to heaven before your time. If you are saved. But one thing sin will not do if you are in Christ and have received righteousness by faith. Sin will not take away that righteousness. Because it's not based on your performance. So even though Abraham did that, he was still righteous in God's sight because he believed. And God had declared him righteous. Now, is that all Abraham did? No, that was not all. Another time Abraham went, was in Egypt? And the king saw his wife, Sarah? And uh, the, Sarah was old, but she was still fine. Uh, and so the king, the king wanted Abraham's wife. Abraham was concerned about his life. He said, my wife is so fine. If this man knows that that's my wife, he would kill me for her. So he told Sarah to lie and said, tell him you're my sister. That was a lie. So the king, poor king, thinking that this girl, this woman was available, brought her into his house. Now, how many of you know Abraham should not have lied? If righteousness is by performance, Abraham is disqualifying himself right now. God should jack him up and kick him out and say, I'm going to find somebody else. I'm not going to do it. You, you, you disqualify yourself. That's not what God did. That night, God didn't go to Abraham to rebuke him. You would think you would go to Abraham and, and, and rebuke him first. Deal with him. God didn't do that. God went to the king. Who all he knew was this was, this, this was Abraham's sister. Who in his mind wasn't doing anything wrong back then. But God went and visited the man and said, if you touch that man's wife, <laughs> if you touch his wife, you will have me to deal with. 
wait a minute. So God now is defending Abraham and protecting Abraham's wife, even after Abraham had lied, God was still treating Abraham as righteous, and God was still blessing him with uncommon protection, which he did not deserve at all. But because God had purpose to bless him and make him righteous because he believed, the man was still benefiting from God's grace. Let me repeat, you are not righteous based upon your performance. God chooses by grace to make you righteous, and all that it takes for it to become yours is for you to believe what God has said, and when you believe it, God declares you righteous, and when he declares you righteous, righteousness comes with blessings attached. You can't separate uncommon favor from the gift of righteousness. If you have been declared righteous, grace is the ground you live on. Now, does it mean you should go lie? No. Because Abraham did a lot of damage. He did a, he, 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 I'm sure that king never looked upon him with favor anymore. King probably didn't want to see him anymore. And sometimes we as Christians who are supposed to be representing the Lord, our behavior makes it that people don't want to even talk to us. Unbelievers don't want to deal with us. We're still righteous because of God's grace, but our negative behavior, the way we talk, the way we behave, the things we do, we're having such a bad impact and a bad influence, and the name of the Lord is being blasphemed because of the decisions we're making and the fact that we're living contrary to who we are. But God does not withdraw his gift of righteousness because of your performance. Because he didn't give it to you because of your performance. He just wanted to bless you, and when you believed, it became yours. Are you still here? Say to your neighbor, because of the gift of righteousness, I am planted on grace ground. That's where I stand permanently. Uncommon favor is my inheritance. So you can, no matter where you are, you ought to be believing for and expecting it, regardless of your performance. Are you hearing me? All right. So, verse 23. We're almost there, don't worry. Let's read this together. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. What is he saying here? In other words, Abraham's example was not written in the Bible for Abraham's benefit. It was written for our benefit. God wants us to learn how he dealt with Abraham, how Abraham became righteous, so that we can understand what we can enjoy today. And how we can enter into that same place of uncommon favor and blessings that Abraham walked in. This is what God is saying. All right. Now, I told you earlier, God just decided to bless Abraham, right? But Abraham accessed that by believing what God has said. Now, the Bible is saying here, just as Abraham accessed grace by believing what God told him, the word that God spoke to him, we now can also access that same grace Abraham walked in by believing what God says to us. Now, what God said to Abraham is not what God says to you. God told Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. Your wife, Sarah, will have a child. I'm not married to Sarah. So that promise was made to Abraham. Abraham believed it, and he became 
So the question is, what has God said to me and to you? That like Abraham, I should become fully persuaded it's the truth over and above my senses. What has God said to me that I should believe is the truth in spite of my own weaknesses, my unfruitfulness, my inability, my lack of life? What is it that God has said that when I look at myself, I should not be able to accept because everything I see is contrary to what God said? And yet like Abraham, I say this may be true, but this is what God has said. God is true. I believe it. I'm persuaded it's true. I'm going to act and talk like it's true in spite of what I see and feel. What is it? Well, the scripture tells us. Go to verse 24. But also for us, it shall be what? What shall be imputed? Righteousness. And remember what comes to righteousness? All of the blessings of grace. It, righteousness, and all the blessings attached to it shall be imputed, shall be given to who? Us who do what? Who do what? Aha. Abraham believed and it was counted for righteousness. God is saying it's exactly the same for you and me. All of the blessings of righteousness will be given to the man or woman who believes what God says to him. Even as Abraham received by believing. But what is it that God says to you and me? This is what he says. That Jesus Christ, go to the next verse, was delivered up because of your offenses. That is not what God told Abraham, but that's what God says to you today. Jesus was delivered up for your offenses. Hmm? Meaning, Jesus went to the cross and on the cross died to pay the price for all of your sins. Past, present, future. God says, Jesus took all of your offenses on the cross. And when he died, he was dying for all of your sins. And he was paying the price for all of your sins, past, present, and future. All of your sins have been paid for. The question is, can you be persuaded that that is true in spite of yourself? Can you, like Abraham, refuse to consider the depthness of your own life? The weaknesses that you know are present. The inadequacies. Can you look at your natural self and see all of the issues and problems you have and say, I believe. This word is so true. All of these things may be true, but the truth is, in spite of me, in spite of my performance, in spite of my works, Jesus Christ has paid the price for all of my sins and all of my sins are forgiven. Therefore, I shall not be delivered up for my own offenses. That was weak. You struggle to believe that. That's how Abraham must have struggled to believe. When Abraham considered the deadness of his wife's womb and his own deadness, it was hard for him to believe that he would be the father of many nations. How can this be true of me? under the circumstances. And many people are unable to accept that because they look at themselves and they say, it can't be true. I'm too bad. I'm too sinful. I'm too imperfect to be totally forgiven. How can I escape judgment when I see all the stuff that I do? 
They struggle with that. They cannot be persuaded. And so they frustrate the grace of God. But those who believe and say, yeah, I see all the mess. I see all my shortcomings. I see all the stuff I do. But in spite of what I see that is true, I believe the truth. And the truth is Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world and by his death he was punished for all of my sins therefore I will not be punished for any of them can you be persuaded because that's the word God is saying to you today that if you believe it the grace of God will manifest freedom from guilt condemnation judgment wrath all of that you have peace with God that's one aspect of the word, but not only did Jesus die, here's the second thing God is saying. He didn't stay dead. Are you persuaded this morning or afternoon that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead? Raise your hand if you say, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you are persuaded that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you need to be persuaded that the sacrifice of Jesus was fully accepted by God. Because if God had not accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for every sin, God would not have raised him from the dead. The fact that God raised Jesus from the dead means God was satisfied with the sacrifice. Do you believe that God is satisfied regarding your sin because of what Jesus did? So he was raised for your justification. That word justification means to be declared right. He was raised so God can declare you righteous. In his sight. Just like God declared Abraham righteous when Abraham believed God, the scripture says God raised Jesus from the dead. And by raising him from the dead, he's alive. And because he's alive, he can give you his righteous life. And he, by his life, can maintain your righteousness for you every day. Can you believe that in spite of your performance, Jesus Christ is your righteousness and he is maintaining your righteousness every day before God. That's the word. Abraham's word, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. God's word to you today, your word that the believe is that Jesus died for all of your sins and you are totally forgiven because Jesus paid the price. And here's another version of the gospel. He made him who had no sin of his own to become sin for you so that you who had the righteousness of your own can become the righteousness of God in Christ. Can you believe that? Can you become fully persuaded that that is true? Can you be fully persuaded that by grace are you saved and that not of yourselves? It is a gift of God. Can you believe that it is without works that you are saved? It's hard to believe that. Just like it was hard in the natural for Abraham to believe that his wife would be able to have a child. It's hard for the mind to accept that my righteousness is totally on the basis of a gift of righteousness based upon God's grace. But if like Abraham, I become fully persuaded and I believe this, please go to Romans 5, 1 and 2 again. This is the result. Romans 5, 1 to 2. Let's read it. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you believe that word and you are persuaded, this is the result. You are justified, declared righteous on the basis of your believing, not your doing. On your believing that word, you have what? Peace. Peace. Shalom. The shalom of God. Peace. It includes every blessing. We have peace. We have every blessing from God. As a result of believing that word, verse 2, through whom also now we have access by faith, by faith, by faith, faith in that word. By believing that Jesus died for your sins and rose, you have now access into the grace in which you stand. When you believe that, you entered in this place of grace. And every single one of you who believe that, this is actually where you are now. Permanently, you are living in, standing on grace ground. Unmerited, undeserved favor is your inheritance. And you know what? Your performance will not take it away from you. It's where you are. Because you believed, apart from your works, Christ is your righteousness. So now that you believe that word, and it has not given you access into the grace in which you stand, what is left for you to do? Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing in this grace. Keep acknowledging all the good things you have in Christ. So the book of Philemon says, our faith becomes effective through the acknowledging of every good thing I have in Christ. I'm standing now in grace. I, I want to fully partake of the grace in which I stand. What do I need? I need to acknowledge all the good things that I have by grace in Christ Jesus. And I need to grow in my knowledge of this grace in which I stand. Because the more I grow in the knowledge of it, the more I can be persuaded to believe it, the more I can experience it. I don't know whether I've bored you or whether I've helped you. Raise your hand if I've helped you. Amen. So I know your, 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 your habit is to claim this promise and to claim this promise and to claim that promise and to focus on this particular promise and focus on that particular promise. And what I'm saying to you, the real, real word that you ought to really be focusing on is this righteousness peace. Be grounded in the fact that you're now already living in standing on grace ground. You still need to believe and declare your faith in the promises. But declaring your faith in the promises if you're not grounded in this will not produce results. And the more you're grounded in this, the less you really got to worry about all the other things because grace just shows up. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for this word that will not return to you void. I pray that the Holy Spirit who teaches us will truly open our eyes to see this revelation and may it become personal. I pray that every person here will become grounded in the revelation of righteousness by faith and grounded in the revelation of all that grace makes available on a daily basis. I pray that we will become more conscious of the grace we stand 
so we can more actively participate in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Your need and my need is not for more blessings. Your need and my need is for greater recognition of what we already have so that we can walk in it more fully. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www.bethelcityofhope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.